I'm Kevin Kaners, and welcome to The Elephant, a podcast on climate change supported by Climate Kick. Well, the fundamentals of climate change might be considered settled by many, particularly among climate scientists. But among conservative groups in America, doubt about climate change and the need for action against it remains much more widespread. But is this really a question of science or more a matter of culture and economics? And if it's the latter, will sensible climate action ever overcome the conservative-progressive divide? Earlier this February, something rather surprising happened. Several elder Republican statesmen released a proposal for what they call a conservative solution to climate change. The plan would consist primarily of a carbon tax that would levy a charge on fossil fuel producers of $40 a ton for the CO2 emissions their products create. The idea is that the higher costs that would result would serve to push the consumption of fossil fuels down and thereby lower emissions. All of the money collected by the tax would be given back to American consumers in the form of quarterly checks. But controversially for Democrats, the plan also calls for repealing more intricate climate regulations, such as the Obama administration's Clean Power Plan. Acceptance of the proposal is far from a slam dunk. Previous calls for carbon taxes have gotten exactly zero support by elected House Republicans. And even if the right does get on board, it's unknown if progressives would support a plan led by conservatives. In this segment of The Elephant, we hear from Barbara Lucas as she investigates the plan and talks to people from both sides of the issue in and around Ann Arbor, Michigan. When it comes to taking action on climate change, can conservatives and progressives in America ever see eye to eye? Barbara Lucas reports. All right, great job, Grand Rapids. I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, attending the local chapter meeting of an international organization called the Citizens Climate Lobby. Detroit, Michigan, with eight people. Nice, Detroit. Philadelphia, six people. Madison with 40 today. Those are some of the nearly 400 North American chapters of the CCL, checking in to the monthly group call. The proposals for an upstream fee on the carbon content of fossil fuels starting at $40 per ton increasing at 2% above inflation per year. About 35 people are gathered in a circle, listening intently to news of the climate solution announced February 8th. It's a tax on carbon that's collected at the source, the coal mine, the oil well, or the port of entry. And the fee is distributed back to citizens in the form of a dividend, making it revenue neutral. The authors estimate emissions reductions nearly two times what all Obama-era regulations would achieve Actually, this proposal is very similar to what the CCL's 20,000-plus volunteers have already been lobbying for, for 10 years now. So this is not our policy, and we like our policy better, but it's still something to be very excited about. It's being proposed by the newly formed Climate Leadership Council, a group of conservative elders, not currently in office, but powerful nonetheless. The reception the plans received is impressive. Scores of major editorial endorsements, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Financial Times, the Nature Conservancy, National Audubon, the list goes on. Why is the new proposal generating so much excitement? Here's clips from the launch event. Check out how they're describing their plan and who's doing the describing. If we can get an insurance policy that is a conservative approach, based on the free market. That's no less than James Baker, former Secretary of State and Treasury Secretary under both Reagan and Bush. 
that limits government, doesn't expand government, and that, and that is competitive internationally, that's a win-win, and we ought to take a look at that. And that's what? A revered Republican advocating a carbon tax? Surprisingly, he's joined by a who's who of conservatives. George Shultz, another former Secretary of State and Treasury Secretary under Nixon and Reagan, leading economists, the CEO of Walmart. Here's economist Marty Feldstein. A carbon tax is just simply the, the simplest and economically most effective way to reduce the level of carbon emissions that contribute to global warming. It's better than the more cumbersome method of regulation that we now use. It's also simpler and much more reliable than the so-called cap-and-trade method. Baker points out that President Reagan instituted a similar free market strategy to fight the looming threat of depletion of the ozone layer. As it turned out, the scientists who were worried at that time about that depletion turned out to be right, and Reagan's Montreal Protocol came along just in time. So... We argue that we ought to substitute a carbon tax for the raft of regulations and subsidies that now characterize this issue. For the sake of our children and grandchildren, I believe it is imperative... While the citizens' climate lobby strives to be nonpartisan, thus far it's managed to attract mostly progressives. The Climate Leadership Council, in contrast, prominently bills itself as conservative. And considering current politics, that's key. But will that, in itself, be effective in enticing Republicans to embrace the plan? Looking for folks who might be right of center, my first stop is a community forum in the small town of Dexter, Michigan. The bi-monthly discussion was founded and is co-led by a Democrat and a Republican. Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Uh... All political persuasions are encouraged to attend, and all are welcome to suggest topics. I briefly described the conservatives' plan. Last week, I don't know if anybody heard about it, but there was a proposal to... No one here has heard of it yet, but initial reactions are skeptical. ...sort of befuddled by that there would be, this is a so-called conservative Republican proposal, that the government collects money and redistributes it to other people. is not consistent with... It calls it market-based. Yeah, Sounds like a tax to me. Indeed, the Republican Party platform during the last presidential campaign explicitly opposed a tax on carbon. Anything that comes with the label carbon tax is probably not going to get far. It needs to be rebranded. Re get rid of that statement because that has a bad connotation. James Baker and his crew seem well aware of this major challenge. They call it carbon dividends instead. Carbon dividends. There's a carbon tax buried in there somewhere, but this is a program on carbon dividends. Make sure you understand that. They and estimate the dividend would start out at about $2,000 per household per year and go up from there. But this is not a tax in that sense. It does not grow government. It is rebated dollar for dollar to the American people. Proponents say those dividend checks will act as a stimulus. The health of the economy is a priority for conservatives, so I send the plan to the University of Michigan College Republicans Club to see if anyone there has comment. 
I also really like the way that the plan proposes to give money from like the tax revenue back to American families. Um, Enrique Zalamea is president of the Republicans Club. That's another great way to increase um, the economy and just in general uh, give back to the American people through these large corporations. And also I've seen um, other countries that have implemented similar plans such as this have actually increased their GDP as opposed to what you'd expect from a tax rate of this size. We talk about British Columbia's carbon tax, where they've decreased emissions by 17% while outperforming the rest of Canada economically. And Zalamea likes the fact that the plan might encourage nuclear. But despite what he likes about it, he voices a concern often expressed by conservatives. So the thing is, I'm pretty conflicted, actually. Part of me believes that the world in general is just too far past any remedial effort to lower CO2 emissions. Like Even if we do lower CO2 emissions, I don't think that it's going to have any significant impact on how the rest of the world is producing it. So it just seems to me that it would be putting the U.S. at a disadvantage at reducing our CO2 emissions. Attempting to address this concern, the creators of the plan note it includes border adjustments for the carbon content of exports and imports. They say that will level the playing field and will encourage other countries to follow suit. Their goal? All countries of the world with their own carbon pricing plan. Hmm, sounds like something progressives could go for too. But will Democrats support a proposal offered by Republicans? I'm in the Diag at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor at a climate rally. It's February 18th and 66 degrees. From the signs they're carrying and their chants, I'm guessing this is a fairly left of center crowd. So we can't just gather in the Diag. One of the speakers is U.S. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. We have to make sure that we've got action plans and that we're delivering on those action plans. Speaking of action plans, I sent details of the carbon dividends plan to the rally speakers the week before. But as far as I can hear, which isn't easy in this din, none of them mention the plan in their speeches. So I ask around in the crowd. It's about the shows about the um, announcement last week of the conservative uh, proposal for climate solution. Did you hear about that? What is it? I explained carbon dividends briefly to Claire Matry, an avid environmental activist. Her first reaction is very skeptical. It's a brilliant scheme. Incentivize the public to buy into what their corporate agenda is. But when I mention that the conservative elders plan is similar to that of the Citizens Climate Lobby, a group she's familiar with, Matry wants to know more. CCL has co-sponsored the rally and has an info table here. We head over. So what's the difference between what Citizens Climate Lobby is doing? Here's Ann Arbor's CCL chapter chair, Ginny Rogers. Well, their plan is actually quite similar to ours. Um, you know, the differences in the Carbon Leadership Council's carbon dividends plan is that theirs also calls for um, eliminating some regulations, I think specifically the clean power plan. And she says the CCL plan also covers other greenhouse gases, such as methane, whereas the conservatives' plan focuses solely on carbon dioxide. What would then motivate citizens to continue to push against um, the use of fossil fuels? Just the fact that they'll be more expensive is the main reason that people will be incentivized to use cleaner energy, is they won't want to put their money towards fossil fuels that are getting more and more expensive. 
Indeed, the Climate Leadership Council's plan starts out at a much higher tax rate than does CCL's. It's set high to make the clean power plan unnecessary right out of the barn. They say that's crucial for Republican buy-in and because it'll get results. Here's Council Founder Ted Halstead. Our plan would achieve nearly twice as much emissions reductions as all Obama-era climate uh, regulations combined, which is why we believe that with our plan, the vast majority of those regulations could be safely eliminated. But any rollback of the clean power plan makes it a non-starter with some groups, such as the Natural Resources Defense Council, which issued a statement in opposition to the plan. Are there left-leaning leaders who will consider fewer regulations? I contact the speakers at the climate rally. Two of them agree to weigh in. I meet with Chip Smith, Ann Arbor City Council member. He says he's definitely nervous about potential rollbacks. But if it is, you know, we think that there's a better way to accomplish the same thing as the Clean Power Act, well, you know, we would be doing a disservice to, uh, to the country if we were to not have that discussion. And here's State Representative Yusuf Rabi. I'm a little bit concerned about the rhetoric around the environment um, that, that accompanies a proposal like this. Although he says the plan is a step in the right direction, Rabi fears anti-regulation fervor could be a slippery slope. Back at the rally, I speak with a professor who studies plans such as these. Elizabeth Anderson is chair of the U of M philosophy department with a specialty in political economy. I have no problems at all with rolling back unnecessary or obsolete regulation, but there still has to be certain regulations to enable us to get to the goal of a zero carbon economy. Pricing it will not all by itself manage that. She gives the example of mandated appliance efficiency standards. The builder's incentive is just to put in the cheapest air conditioner, which might be very energy inefficient, and same with the other appliances that might come packaged with the house or the apartment. And so you need to upgrade your building code. Apparently, the Climate Leadership Council agrees some regulations are necessary. The easiest example is appliance standards. Um, The party that typically buys the appliance, let's say a landlord, is not the party typically that uses that appliance, which means that the cost signal does not transfer through. Okay, so some regulations would stay. But what about impacts to the vulnerable? That's another factor that could determine support of progressives. State Representative Yusuf Rabi says he's uncomfortable with the idea of giving an equal dividend to all Americans. My concern with that is that not everybody is bearing an equal impact on climate change, and not everybody is bearing an equal impact of, you know, environmental pollution in general. He says more of a refund should go to communities that live near a coal-fired power plant, for instance, because they have higher health care costs. You know, making sure that we're doing this equitably is very important. Um, not again, not equally, right, equitably. Making sure. A related concern is expressed by Ed Francis back at the Dexter Forum. He wonders if equal dividends would be fair. He says some people have to travel far for work or groceries. Um, my concern is that, you know, would that somehow penalize, this carbon tax somehow penalize those people? You know, it's like, yeah, they get something back, but would it be enough to balance out their need? Francis is not alone. Similar concerns were voiced by the left in the bitter battle over the carbon tax proposal, which was defeated in Washington state last November. Here's Ted Halstead addressing these fears. According to the Department of Treasury, 
70% of Americans would come out ahead under this plan. In fact, the bottom 70% of Americans would come out ahead under this plan. What that means is that 223 million Americans stand to benefit financially from solving climate change. He says the less you pollute, the more you stand to benefit. The fact that poor people would benefit most may have appeal to faith groups. What about their support? Combined, they could be a powerful force. Climate change is disproportionately affecting the poor and the marginalized, the people that we are called to have a special concern for. I'm meeting over coffee with recent seminary graduate Kyle Meyerd-Shop. He's director of Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. He says when they speak to college students, they tell them they need not feel conflicted. A lot of you perhaps have been told that you need to make a choice between your faith and the concern for climate, but you don't have to. That's a false choice. Um, in fact, your faith can lead you into deep concern and action on climate, and that's not unfaithful. It's deeply faithful. And he doesn't see this as a uniquely Christian obligation. From what I know of, of other major world religions, that, that is uh, a principle across the board. Um, love God, love other people. And I think that all people of goodwill, of any faith or no particular faith, um, can understand that that's part of living a good life and recognizing the ways in which your own actions and your own lifestyles are affecting people around you and being concerned about that. He says when fossil fuels are cheap, the negative impacts of a product aren't paid by the purchaser. Instead, they're paid by the rest of society. And this, in essence, goes against principles of his faith. He says that carbon tax corrects for what economists call an externality. And carbon pollution is a big one. Uh, it's a market failure. Meyerchop finds the conservatives' plan a very hopeful sign. We're excited to see what we believe to be the, the arbitrary partisan battle lines that have been drawn around climate change begin to dissolve. He says the framing, the market-based approach, is key. He says regulatory solutions automatically alienate conservatives. And so I think a lot of conservatives are, are having a hard time breaking into the conversation. And when they don't feel welcome at the table, when they don't see their identities being affirmed in the language that's being used, when they don't see solutions being put forward that they resonate with, who wouldn't check out of the process? Who wouldn't say, I don't want to be a part of this? As he's talking, I think back to the climate rally on the Diag. I wonder, would climate-concerned conservatives feel comfortable there? Meyerchop says the skills necessary for bipartisan collaboration are valued by his faith. Reconciliation, acceptance, humility. Recognizing that we don't have the solution, um, all of us together have the solution. And unless all of us are talking together, we're not going to find it. And so having the humility to say, I need your help, person I disagree with, <laughs> um, I think that's a gift to not only the issue of climate change, but to every issue and to all of life. The acceptance of different perspectives recalls James Baker's words at the launch. I was and remain uh, somewhat of a skeptic about the extent to which man is responsible for climate change. But I do think that the, that the risks associated with it, if, they're, if the people who believe it has happened and is going to continue to happen are correct, the risks are too great to ignore. 
Baker's call for an insurance policy is a concept many skeptics can embrace. This topic of framing leads me to University of Michigan professor Andrew Hoffman. He literally wrote the book on it called How Culture Shapes the Climate Change Debate. He says at its heart, the debate isn't about science at all. It's about deeply entrenched worldviews and tribe affiliations. I mean, somehow we have to break the link between a conservative ideology, a conservative worldview, and climate denial. There are, I assure you, there are lots of Republican politicians and staffers in Washington who know this is real. They just can't come out on it without losing their position in Washington. In fact, Rex Tillerson, our current Secretary of State, gave a speech in October supporting a carbon tax when he was chief executive of ExxonMobil. Many energy companies like the idea of a steadily rising carbon tax. With market predictability, risks are minimized. Investment in renewables can become a safe bet. And this could spell job growth. Uh, there are sectors, vibrant, important economic sectors, that are supportive of the market shift that climate change presents. Uh, the number of jobs in renewables now rivals that in the fossil fuel industry. But certainly not all businesses are in support. The powerful American Energy Alliance is staunchly against anything that resembles a carbon tax. While acknowledging the steep odds, Hoffman notes change is brewing. He tells me about the Congressional Climate Solutions Caucus. There is some green caucus, of a bipartisan caucus on climate change. It was formed only last year and is already up to 38 members. Half are Democrats and half Republicans. In many ways, I, I, I wonder whether, you know, just as only Nixon could go to China, maybe only Republican administration can get through through Congress. He says we don't know where Trump stands on the issue, and wherever it is, that could change. Just like Nixon, who opened up China, uh, even though he was the most stalwart in opposition to it. I know it's a total long shot, but he loves to stir things up, and this would certainly stir things up. The Climate Leadership Council did present their carbon dividends plan to the Trump administration on February 8th. The response was uh, distinctly noncommittal. But Hoffman feels that given the right circumstances and the right framing, a breakthrough on climate could be possible. Can it shift? Yes. Can it shift quickly? Yes. Okay, let's just say Republicans do move forward with a carbon dividends plan. Could Democrats set aside their distrust and lend their support? Amongst the folks I spoke with, willingness was evidence to varying degrees. Here's State Representative Yusuf Rabi. No, no plan is perfect, of course, and something is better than nothing. Um, and, you know, if this plan has a chance of moving forward, then, you know, wonderful. Here's Ann Arbor City Council Member Chip Smith. You know, getting to the discussion of a national carbon tax is really, really important. And I think the only way we get there is if it comes from Republicans, quite frankly. Back at the rally, here's Citizens Climate Lobby member David Girk. Uh, some of the details I don't agree with, but that's okay. Uh, it, it's really a matter of uh, the who being more important than the what. Because then rather than debating whether or not climate change is real and if we should do something, then we'll be debating about exactly what we should do. And that would be a gigantic step forward. And here's Professor Elizabeth Anderson. That refund that's coming in no matter what. I think people are going to find that an extremely attractive proposal. So it'll be very hard to get the political momentum and enough votes, but once it's passed, I think it'll be very, very popular. You, you sound like you think it might happen someday. 
I think something like this has to happen. <laughs> yes. The question is when. While there's opposition to this plan, there's also support from some surprising places. A conversation, at least, may finally be starting that includes a broad spectrum of perspectives.